Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's one of our leaders, Andrew Haas. Tonight, as we share the word, we're going to pray over it because we just believe with our whole hearts here at Refuge. Let me just say, here at Refuge, we believe with our whole hearts that as we pray and we preach and teach from the word, that it goes forth and it's going to find its way into the hearts and minds of those people who are listening. And guess what? We believe that it changes you. The Bible says that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to pierce to the division of your soul and your spirit. And we're going to talk about your soul and your spirit because the Bible says that we're made up of three distinct parts. And we need to have it. We need to understand our three distinct parts if we're to understand what we were designed for and how we fulfill that design. Amen? Amen. So let's pray because I, I, want, I want you to experience God. I want you to experience Him because j- just being a Christian and just reading the Bible and just praying isn't enough. We have to experience God. He is a God that is meant to be experienced. He is living. He is alive. He is alive. So we're going to pray that we experience him tonight and that we encounter him. I believe, listen, I truly believe that as we speak the words out tonight, that it's going to bring conviction, that it's going to bring freedom, that it's going to bring healing. The Bible says, let me just say something. The Bible says that his word is healing and it is health to your bones and into your flesh. Simply reading and approaching God on the basis of his word brings healing to you and it brings health to you. It's good for you. And let me just say, sometimes I, I know I have a very good understanding that I just rattle off scriptures and I don't stop to, to explain them. You want to know why I do that? It's because I believe the more scripture we can give people, the more it will change somebody, whether you know what it's doing or not. It's going to change you. It's going to change you. Amen. So let's pray. So Heavenly Father, we cover ourselves in your blood tonight. And we just ask in Jesus' name that we just invite you in here. Lord Holy Spirit, we invite you in to change, to heal, to convict, and to break off the power of sin in people's lives, Father. We just ask in Jesus' name that there would be a sweet conviction of sin in this place tonight. Your word says that it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. So Father, we just ask that your kindness would just rest on us tonight. Tonight, and that the word that goes forth would not return to you void, and no weapon formed against us will remain and prosper. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. But well, church, young adults, my brothers and sisters, check it out. I'm going to give you a biblical anatomy lesson. The Bible says that we're made up of a spirit, we're made up of a soul, and we're made up of a body. Everybody very nicely grab the, the arm of the person next to you. You have just come in contact with a body. Right? That body, that body is the way you connect with this physical world. Right? It is the connection between the earth and us. It is how we relate to one another. It is a vehicle. Right? So the next thing, so, so let's just get some scriptures because some people don't, maybe they don't believe me. So let's prove it from the word. So, so is, let's go to. Um, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. It says, Or do you not know that your body... So we're just going to stop it right there. We'll get to the rest of the scripture. But do you not know that your body... And then Isaiah 26, 9 says, At night my soul... We're going to stop it right there. And then we'll go to the next one. It says, Indeed my spirit. And we'll go through those scriptures. But in just a second. The Bible... It's very clear when it, when it uses one of those words, it's not using it on accident. It's talking about a very specific part of who you are. 
Right? Are you with me? So you have to pay attention to it. When you read the scriptures, you have to pay attention to what it says. Is it talking about your body? Because it knows that you're three different parts. Right? So let, let me ask you this question. And th- Okay, this is a stupid question because we all just had pizza. See the little guy here? We all just had pizza. So how many of you ate in the last 15 minutes? Raise up your hand high. All right. How many of you ate in the last 24 hours? Okay, now here's a real good, how many of you ate in the last week? Right, everybody's got their hand way up. Why? Because your body needs it. It won't survive unless you give it food. You may be able to get away with a week, maybe two weeks, maybe even up to 30 days. I know of a man in scripture who did that. But you may be able to not eat for a long period of time. Eventually, guess what? You will die if you don't give it food. What's another thing that it needs? Water. It needs sleep, right? That's what your body needs to survive. So what, what was your body designed for? Everything needs something. And let me just ask you this. Let me just make this point. Everything needs something. Everything was designed for something. How useless is the object, even, like even this useless piece of paper, Right? Useless. It was originally designed for something. It was designed for those little Parmesan packets they were dumping all over the pizza up here, I think. Yuck. So everything has a purpose. Everything has a purpose. Let's, let's take the uh, example of the board game of Yahtzee. So I've been thinking about this game Yahtzee, right? It's got, uh, I think it has, does it have cards, right? It's got cards and it. it's got dice. Dice, that's what it's got. Okay, so let's just imagine you and your friends are sitting around. I haven't been thinking about it that hard, obviously. So... <laughs> So let's just imagine you and your friends are sitting around this board game of Yahtzee and you don't have the dice. Everyone in the room knows how to play it. Everyone knows what the intent and the purpose of the game is, but nobody has the dice. Right? What you need for the successful completion of the game is not there. You don't have a vital substance to play that game. Now let's turn it on the other side. Let's suppose you have all the players... You have the dice, you have all the parts, but you don't have the instruction manual and you don't know what the point of the game is. What happens? Why was that game created? What, so, someone shout out, why, is that, why does Yahtzee exist? To have fun, to bring you pleasure. The game of Yahtzee was designed to bring you pleasure. How about that? Right, But let me just tell you something. If you don't know that Yahtzee, how the rules work, and you don't know what the point of it is, even though you have everything that you need, it will never fulfill that purpose. You see, your body, and we're going to get into the spirit, we'll get into the soul in a second here. Your body was designed for something. When God created it, he created it to need certain things. You will, can you imagine never eating again? Can you imagine that? No, it doesn't work like that. This side of heaven, you will always need something. This side of heaven, you will always experience dissatisfaction. You were designed that way. You were designed to continually need to give your body things. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. It says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, God, so let's stop there. God gave you your body, and what was its purpose and design? It was a temple. See, 
if you try to use your body for something other than housing the Holy Spirit, and, and your Bible says your, your body was meant for God, imagine playing Yahtzee and putting, and putting the Monopoly pieces in. And then say, okay, we're gonna, we're, th- this, this game was actually meant to, I'm going to make money from this game. The game, this game was designed to make me money. Well, good luck with that. You see, you're putting all these things in. You're, we, what we do is, is we try to put all these things together, and we don't have any clue why our bodies exist and the right things to put inside of them. The same goes for our souls. So listen to this. It says, um, Isaiah said, at night, my soul longs. How many of you ever felt that feeling inside where you're like, I need something? I need something. Be it that need for a relationship, that need for a mate, or that's what you think it is at least. There's that aching inside. You see, it's, you, there's just that deep down ache and you think that you need something. And you know what most of us try to do with it? We, you know what we do? We give it things that it was never designed to take in. We give, our bodies were not designed. See, we try to play Yahtzee with the Monopoly pieces. It doesn't work. You see, you try to stuff in your body, you try to stuff down, uh, you try to numb that, that heartache, that pain. See, that you try to numb that thing with, be it, you know, it could go, yeah, the obvious things are drugs and alcohol and sex, but what about binge watching Netflix, right? What about, what about, you know, just always, you know, always needing a relationship, always needing to be something. You know what the sheer, like, or Facebook, Right? Or social media. Good Lord, do we have an obsession with social media today that we need to get over. All right. We, you know, next time, go, do this. Like, walk down the street sometime and just count the number of people that are just like this. We're just, we're living in zombie land, people. We literally are. You know, we've got this unhealthy addiction. And you know what that is? It's an escape from your reality. All right. Because you don't like it. You just happen, like, oh, yeah, I don't. There's something about, there's something that is just off, right? It shifts off inside of you, and you, you, just, you just can't quite tell you what it is. I'm here to tell you that design that mo- most of us, this is so important, I really hope Jesus open up the eyes of the understanding of people who hear this tonight. There is so much going on inside of us that God wants to help us to understand and interpret, because when you can, when you get the revelation of what's going on inside of you, and you can rightly divide what's going on inside you by the word of God, soul and spirit. The word of God is the only thing that's able to get inside of you and tell you this is that and this is that. We can't do that on our own. And so next time, let me just, I challenge you, next time you feel like grabbing your phone and, because it's completely mental, next time you grab your phone or you go to watch Ben, you know, ben, binge watch whatever show or you call so-and-so up because they make you feel good about yourself, next time you go to do that, stop Stop in your tracks, I challenge you, and say, what's going on inside of me? What's making me want to do that? And then I challenge you to say, Lord, I challenge you to pray this, Lord, send me your word to rightly divide how I feel inside. Because let me just tell you how we started this. God was meant to be experienced, and he wants to meet you where you are at in the most practical of ways. Amen? Your spirit... Is, so your soul is, in, in, the, in the Bible, will define it as your will, your mind, and your emotions. It's that, it's that soulful part of you. It's that part of you that, that, that wants things. It's your emotional life. It's your mind. That's your soul when we talk about that. Your spirit, that was designed for something very specific. It was designed for Jesus. It was designed for the spirit of God. 
for the Holy Spirit. That, if your body relates to the outside world, the Holy, your spirit is what can commune and talk with the Holy Spirit. That is why we can talk to him. That's why we can be led by him. The Bible says, them that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. That's where it happens. It happens inside your spirit. So we have to ask God, hey, chop that thing up for me. By your word, chop that up. Okay, class is over. Can we get into the message now, right? Okay. All right, so we're going to go and we're going we're gonna to step through one of Jesus' most famous uh, parables. It's the prodigal son, right? So we've all probably heard this story, but I'm believing tonight that we're going to chop it up a little different and we're going to be able to pull out some things that we all deal with and maybe understand the heart of God when he uh, spoke this. So let me set this up for you. Jesus is, just gets done tell, um, with the Pharisees and Sadducees. He just gets done with dinner. And then he starts preaching and teaching, and all of a sudden these sinners and these um, you know, tax collectors, the worst of the worst of the day, they start crowding around Jesus. And the Pharisees and Sadducees, they step back and they go, huh, who is this Jesus that, that receives the tax collectors and the sinners? And so then Jesus begins to tell three stories. He tells um, two preceding stories, one about a man that... Uh, I actually don't remember, so we're just going to just skip that one. Go on to the next one. No, I'm kidding. They're just not relevant. So... The third story, the third story is the story of the prodigal son. So the, 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 the context of the stories is that they go and they, the, the, that Jesus is wanting to receive sinners. That's why he came. So let's, let's read, let's pick this up in verse 11. He said, and he said, this is Jesus, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So let's stop there and listen. He said, the younger of the sons. The younger son isn't really entitled to anything. Right? I tell my little brother that all the time. You ain't entitled to anything. Just get over it. That's just the way it is. I was going first. Right? No, I'm kidding. So he, this, kid, this kid literally has the gumption to go to his dad and says, Dad, and see, this would have been disrespectful today. I mean, how many of you, this is literally what he did. How many of you have, a, have parents that own a home? Just throw your hand up. Right? So imagine going to your parents and saying, okay, Mom, Dad, sell your house. And I want half. Work it over. Right? My dad would say, okay, son, there's the front door, and don't come back. Right? Love him. Love you. But there you go. Right? And my, my two-year-old said that to me. I'd be like, whoop, whoop, there you go. Right? Send him on down the road. But that's not what. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that to him. <laughs> hey, you know what? It's a dog-eat-dog world. You know, two-year-olds, they got you know, to deal with it. You know, I'm kidding. All right. So he literally, but what does, the, what does the father do, right? So instead of, instead of saying, hey, hit the road, he says, so his son says, father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. He says, so he divided his wealth between them. You know what that does? That tells us the character of the father. That flat out tells us something about the father, right? The father had every right to say, not only the younger son, you don't really deserve this. You don't have a right to it. But who, who are you? I'm not dead yet. Go. Right? But he doesn't do that. The father, out of loving kindness for his son, says, okay, gives him half of his estate. So we're dealing with a loving, kind father. Verse 13, and not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together. This dude, right, the younger son, he was, he'd already pre-thought this, right? He had already thought it all through. He said, Dad, once Dad gives me the money, I'm out the door, right? He didn't wait a year to make some investments. He said, no, I'm out. Just a couple of days later, and he's gone. So he said, 
everything together and went on a journey to a distant country. So two things here. One, why was it important that he went to a distant country? Because in the day when Jesus was telling this story, he, the, this was telling the story about a Jewish family. The Jewish family, it was important that they grew up in the Jewish ways, right? And so what does the son do? He says, I'm utterly rejecting, I'm taking my father's stuff and utterly rejecting his household. And I'm going to a distant country, getting as far away from my father's heritage as I can. And he's running, utterly rejecting his father. And you know why it's important that he says he went on to a journey because he just didn't get there overnight. We don't just get far away from our, 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 our heritage overnight. It's a journey. And some days, a lot of you are on a journey that is in the wrong direction. And we, we, we need to understand that, that, that we set out and we're walking somewhere. What's the point of a journey? Why, why do we go on a journey? You're getting somewhere. You're looking for something. I propose to you that this young man was looking for the fulfillment of what? His body, his soul, and his spirit. He was looking for something. He says, he went on a journey to a distant country, and there he squandered his estate with loose living. That word loose literally means in shamefully immoral. This dude lived a shamefully immoral life, and he spent everything that his father gave him here. Everything. And when I, sh- I mean, this dude's out at the clubs. He's like, oots, 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 oots. you know, he's out there doing that. He's shelling out the bennies, you know, and everything. He's, he's the guy, right? All of his friends love him. They're just, they're, just, they're just around him. He's the guy. Squanders it. It's all gone. It says, now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. You know what's interesting? How do you begin to be impoverished? Well, we got to know what that word means. That word literally means, and it's so, it's fun. I love finding these. They're little gems in the word of God. The word, and I I can't repeat the Greek word because I just, I'm not a Greek theologian, but it's literally the only time in in the Bible that this word is used, and it means to be left behind. So you got understand this. He said when, a, when, the, when he spent everything, the famine came and he began to be left behind. Living, living a life apart from what God has called you to do, you begin to get left behind. You begin to get left behind. I know that I've felt like that many times in my life. And you have the course correct. And we'll find out how we do that. Amen. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. So again, he's, 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 he's still in this immoral place, right? He's still rejecting his father's household. And he says, no, I'm just going to stay here. And, he, and this citizen said, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Why is that important? Because remember, he's Jewish. Swine are like off limits, like filthy, dirty animals, right? And not only is he in this filthy, immoral place, he now has to sink to the most lowest of low place that he was ever raised in. And he has to feed the animals that are unclean to him. Verse 16. And it says, And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men... 
the word sense is it literally means himself. So he said when he came to himself. How many of you ever had those moments when you're like, I don't know how I got here. I have no idea how I got here. And you just come to yourself, right? That's what happened to this guy. He's come to himself. He says, I will get up. He says, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger? So he just remembers. He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, I I am still a son, and I'm probably not worthy, but I can probably just go back and maybe be a hired man. Like, I can do that. At least I don't have to be with these pigs. He came to himself. He said, I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he thinks this through, and this is important. So he goes, and he's, he's gotten through this just awful time. He knows he's partied. He knows he's done all the wrong things. He's feeling left behind. He's at the lowest point in his life. And then he stops. And he's like, okay, maybe dad will still take me back. So then he stops and pre-thinks his repentance, Right? So he's thinking through how I'm going to repent. How am I going to get through this? How am I going to go back and convince dad that it's okay and he can take me back? Right? He says, so he got up and came to his father. Watch this. But while he was still a long way off. Everybody say long way off. His father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced and kissed him. You want to know what's so wonderful about the characteristic of the father? Is all you got to do is just start. And he sees you a long way off. He sees you a long way off. You see, many of us in this very room are like, I'm not quite there. I'm not quite back to Jesus yet. But you know what? It doesn't matter because he saw you coming a long way off. And he is, what does it say he does? He says, he ran to him. Jesus is running to you. You know, all you have to do, stop, pre-think. Repentance is important, okay? You have to, because the, the son had a repentant heart. It explains to us his repentant heart. He turned, and the father saw him coming a long way off. Church, that's the characteristic of the God we serve. Let me say this. This is so important to understand about about Jesus. He is not mad at you. God is not mad at you. I've spent a lot of my young life, my younger life, because I'm a dinosaur. Look at me. (laughs) Right? I spent a lot of my younger life thinking that God was mad at me. You know, and I I can remember... The day that God began to chip it away with me. Because you know what? There's a journey away from God. And sometimes there's a journey coming right back to him. You see, I remember the day. It was about seven, eight years ago. I was standing in the Colorado Springs. It was at New Life Church. And I was standing there listening to this, this worship band play. And I just felt so condemned and so awful that I was even there. Like, how could I even exist? Right? And I, I, was, I was standing there right next, to, right next to Sam, and we were standing there, and we were just listening to this, and I just felt like a worthless, awful person. And it was then, right there, that God spoke to me and said, I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you. You see, the, the love of the Father is just like that. 
you can live a shamelessly immoral life and God will not be mad at you. Now let me be specific at this point. It doesn't mean that God is giving us an excuse for our sin. No, it means that he doesn't hold your sin against you and that he, put, he nailed it to the cross in Jesus and that he made a way for you to be free from your sin. And he will never hold it against you. He loves you and he's not mad at you. Let that word sink into your heart because you will never experience all that God has for you if you constantly live under the thought that God is mad at you. He is not mad at you. God, God, it's in the end of Romans 8, he said, God who sent his own son for us, how much more will he freely give you all things? He will freely give you all things. Come on, church, you got to realize, and we'll, this is at the end of the parable, we'll get there, but we'll just, we're going to jump and then come back. Is that okay? So, God, you are, you are literally a part of his family. Right? And he said he will freely give you all things. We need to ask God not only to give us stuff, and it's not just, oh, I need a new car, but he'll give you one if you need it. Somebody's laughing. I believe, I believe that for you. If you need a new car, God will get you a new car. Ask him for it. And if that's for somebody out there, good. You come see me afterwards, and we'll pray about your new car. Because if you need it, God will give it to you. Because he said, I will supply all your needs according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Right? See, I, I, I believe that the word of God is real. And we can approach him when he said, you can ask me for whatever you will in my name and I will give it to you. Why? Because he delights in giving his children good gifts. So what happens now? He says, but, but and the son said to him, okay, no. Verse 20, so he got and he came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, catch this, and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Now watch this. But the father said to his slaves, now stop there. Check this out. I need somebody, I need somebody's help. Okay, come here, Ben. You're good at this. Come here. All right. Ben went to school to be an actor, everybody. All right. All right, so Ben, I want you to tell me. So you're going to be the prodigal son. All right. You've just lived a shamelessly immoral life. And you're coming to me. I worked my whole life for this. All right. Woo. All right. So now I want you to tell me, okay, how sorry you are. Go ahead. Go ahead. Tell me how sorry you are. I'm really sorry. Hey, can you go get the fatted calf? Okay, you didn't catch it. Let's do that again. Do it again. I'm really, really sorry. Can you go get the fatted calf? Okay, do it again. I'm really, really, really Can you sorry. go get the fatted calf? Last time. Okay, I'm very sorry. Can you go get the fatted calf? You're good. Listen, Jesus, the father, didn't even acknowledge his son. He didn't even acknowledge him. Why? Because he was so excited that he was there. You see, when we come to Jesus, when we come to Jesus and we say, Father, here I am, and we're just sitting there under this pressure of sin and guilt, and he's saying, I already dealt with it. Let's move on. I'm just glad you're home. You see, the only reason you completely ignore the person that was talking to you is because you've already pre-thought what God was going to what you, what you what you did for him. I've already forgiven him. That part's already done. Hey, Jesus doesn't have time to talk about your sin anymore. He paid too high a price to sit here and constantly let you wallow and wallow. Remember, you are a son of the living God. It doesn't matter that he went and spent a life off and would live shamelessly immoral. He was still a son. And when he came back, he was still a son. And, and, the, and the living God pardoned it and said, I'm just glad you're home. God is not mad at you. 
God is excited that you're home. Remember, he saw you coming a long, long way off. That's the father that we serve. That's the characteristic of the God that we serve. It's important that we say his name. That's, that's the characteristic of Jesus Christ, the living God that we serve. Amen. Right, so what does he say? He says, but the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him. Do you know what that signifies? Jesus said that our righteousness is his filthy rags, but put on Christ. So he clothed him instantly in the righteousness of God. See, when you come back, when you come back from a wandering lifestyle, and let me just say this to the person that maybe, maybe you're like, well, I kind of been walking with God, but I just feel like this area of my life, there's grace for you. Come back. What about the person that just completely walked away from God? There's grace for you. Come back. Listen, there is no, and I will just tell you this from personal experience, I should not be up here. I should not be up here. I should be dead, drunk in a bar somewhere. That's about the, the extent of my life. That's the things that has happened to me. Listen to me. There's enough grace for me to get through the things that God has allowed me to walk through in this earth. And I will not stand before the Son of God and say, I didn't know. I'll say, no, I knew and I proclaimed the grace to the other people. Because listen, there's enough grace for you. It doesn't matter how hard your life has been or the things that you've had to go through. Jesus Christ, his grace is enough to bring you through. It is enough. And as long as you turn to him, his grace will see you coming a long way off and say, let me, let's take it a step further. I will help you come back to me. Come on, somebody. That's something worth getting excited about. That's what Jesus did for you and I. He brought us into that position of ultimate grace before him. Amen. It says, Man, I keep rereading this. This is great. Let's just preach it again. It says, but the father said to his quickly, okay, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put on a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Completely reclothes his son. It says, and bring the fatted calf to kill it. The fatted calf was the most choicest of meats. It was something that was specially prepared. They saved it, right? It was just they saved it. And what did he do with it? He said, I don't even want to think about what I had that saved for. Bring it on out now. Bring it on out now. My son is home. He says, and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. Don't you think it's just so interesting? Church, we, church, unchurch, listen to me. What is the, don't you think it's so interesting that when, when the, the son leaves home to go party and when he comes home, what's the first thing dad does? He throws him a party. Let me just tell you something. God said in Psalms 107.9, he says, For you have satisfied the thirsty soul, and the hungry soul you have filled with what is good. God wants to bring to you good things. His desire, desire for you is wholly good. He always wants to bring to you the good. You see, we always are trying to fulfill our body, our spirit, and our soul outside of the presence of God. It doesn't work like that. But when you get back to the presence of God, he says, okay, now let's throw a party because I know how to give you what you need. I know how to bring to you what you need. And it's that it's, you got, listen, you were designed to have a good time with the father. Apart from him, you'll never experience true satisfaction. 
You'll never experience true satisfaction. And my prayer for you is, is that if you don't know what that spiritual or solical dissatisfaction is, I pray that you experience it tonight. And tomorrow morning when you wake up, that you experience something deep down inside of you and you say, what is that? Well, it will be fulfilled when you get into the presence of the living God. And you will you will literally be able to function like you were designed to function. Can you imagine? Just think about this. Imagine playing Yahtzee with Monopoly pieces. How frustrating would that be? That is, if you're, if you're not understanding that you were designed for God, that's why you're here, then you're playing the game of life with the wrong pieces. I'm sorry. But you need, to, you need to understand. He designed your soul and your spirit. He said, man shall not live. And Pastor shared this verse this morning. Thank you, Pastor, because this was totally played right in. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You want to know what's so important about the word proceeds? It's constant. There's proceeding. It's an action verb. It's a verb, right? The word of God proceeding. You have to live. You, you will only truly live by the word that comes out of the Father's mouth. So let's now shift the focus. So, the, so, so we've gone through this, and we understand the Father's love, so now let's just transition because he goes, he goes on. The, the parable makes an interesting turn. He says, now his older son, and we haven't heard about him until this point. He says, now his older son was in the field. You know what he was doing? He was working. He's working out in the field. That's why you're there, right? You're out in the field working, so let's set this up, okay? How would you feel? Well, he's going to tell us. He says, he says, he was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard the music and dancing, and he summoned one of these servants and began inquiring, what could these things be? And he said to him, your brother has come home, and your father has killed a fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. I love getting ahead of myself. It's great. But he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. Listen, how would you feel, okay, if you're a steady, Eddie, staying at home, doing what dad wants me to do, brother comes home, I'm in the field, right? My brother who's out been partying, living shamelessly and moral, he's out doing that, and I'm home doing the work of the father, and I'm even in the field working when my brother comes home. And what does dad do? He doesn't bother telling me. He doesn't send somebody out to come get me. He just throws a party for my little brother, who A, shouldn't have gotten anything anyway, and B, he lived an awful life. How upset would you be? Right? Right? Does this guy sound justified? Does he sound justified as if he should be angry at his little brother and the father? Right? But you know what the father does? He says something so interesting. And again, it tells us another characteristic of the father. He says, praise the Lord. He says, his father came out and began pleading with him. He says, son, son. Remember, he's pleading with him. He's not... He's not going, okay, yeah, all right, calm down. Let's just all calm down here. I'll call a family meeting after this. No, he starts pleading with him. And he says, but he answered, and his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said, Father, look, for so many years I have been serving you and have never neglected a command of yours, and yet you have never, never even given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. 
But when this son of yours came who has devoured your wealth on prostitutes, you killed a fattened calf for him. And he said to him, so, so listen to this, watch this. This is the characteristic of the father. And he said to him, son, you have always been with me and all that I have is already yours. You see, even see in, in, in a large scenario here, the son that left behind, that stayed home, he didn't have any. He didn't have any clue how to satisfy himself either. He had no idea what he was designed for because he was already, he already had everything the father owned. It was already his. So. This, this story, the principle is twofold. One, you can always, God, he will always bring you back. Two, even if you're here right now and you're saying, well, I've not lived that lifestyle, but do you know what the Father has already done for you? And do you know what you have already been given? Because he didn't. He would, remember, he was stayed at home and he was working. And the Father says, come on, son, don't you get it? You can do this anytime you want. I'm just excited he's home. It's already all yours. So do you know that you can literally, you have that place before God, as we were talking about earlier, that you can ask him for anything. That's your dad. That's the God that we serve. It says, but we had to celebrate and rejoice when this brother, brother of yours was dead and begun to live. He was lost, and now he was found. All right? So we, we need to understand that when we come to God, okay, that's twofold. One, you can always come back. And two, do you know what you've been given as your place as a new creature in Christ Jesus? Amen. So let's, let's pray. Let's pray. Can you guys play something for me? So let's pray. And here's what I want to pray, and I want to believe that this word, that it is not going to return to God void. And I, I believe that as it went forth, it found its way into your hearts and your minds. And we want to pray two things tonight. One, if you don't know God, I want to give you that opportunity because, because literally all you got to do is look towards him, and he's going to see you coming from a long way off. God wants, God wants that for you. He desires that for you. He desires a relationship with you. You were designed for God, and he wants that with you. And then two, the, to the person that needs that revelation, God, I, do, I really don't know that I have an understanding of what's going on inside of me and that I was designed for certain things. I want to pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation of the knowledge in Christ Jesus to open up your eyes because God was meant to be experienced, not merely just talked about. So if you don't know him, I want you to pray. We'll all pray this prayer together. Okay? And then afterwards, we'll be a team up here that will pray with you if you want to. So we say, Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. And I ask now that you would come into my life, cleanse me from my sin, and make me new. I want to be with you, Jesus. Amen. And now I want to pray, and I, and I want to pray this for you. So let's pray this together. So if you, if you feel like this was something that I want to pray for you specifically. So if this was something with every head, head bowed and every eye closed, if this was something that, that you want to know more about and you say, Jesus, I want to know more about what's going on inside of me. And I know that I've been running towards things. And remember, you can be a believer your entire life and not understand what's going on inside of you. So if that's you and you want a greater revelation of the Holy Spirit in your life, raise your hand because I want to pray for you right now. Amen. Praise God. So let's do that tonight. So we say, 
Lord Jesus, I ask that you would give me a revelation of you. I ask that you would rightly divide me according to your word. I ask the next time that my soul or my spirit is desiring something that you would send your word and divide it for me. I ask that you would give me a greater sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and his leading. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I believe that for you. See, we're, we're, we're entering into a time where it's so, it's beyond critical to be led by the Holy Spirit. We won't, we won't, it, it's not just, a, it's just not just a good idea. You won't, we won't make it. The Bible says that in the book of Revelations, and I don't mean to get heavy on you, but in the book of Revelations, it said that Satan would be thrown down to heaven. You see, when that time comes, the saints of God will be experiencing pressures within and pressures without. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you'll just have a clear understanding like, oh, this is the devil. No. You see, you need the Spirit of God. It says is that, is that if even possible, the elect would be deceived. And that's you and I. We need the Spirit of God to lead us through and guide us through. We need the Spirit of God to guide us. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.